the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his donkey, took him to the inn, and took care of him. I'm going to guess, seeing the level of spiritual maturity in this room, you've probably heard in your lifetime a sermon on the Good Samaritan. Pretty fair assessment. It may be a few about the priest and the Levite. But today, I want us to focus on that man. That broken, beating, beaten, defeated, half-dead guy laying on the side of the road. And I want you to take a minute to try to picture him in your mind. Can you see him? Can you connect with his hopelessness? With his despair? With his agony? I can. And you know why? Because about four, a little over four years ago, that guy was me. But today, I am healing. I have hope. <laughs> I rest in the fact that I'm Abba's beloved child. And I look forward to the future. But I really needed this opportunity to stand before the people who were instrumental in making this healing happen. A few months after we arrived in San Angelo in June of 2016, the bottom fell out in a way I could have never, ever imagined. And my very first thought was, I'm going to resign. I'm done. I would never want to bring any hurt or pain to this amazing congregation. So I called Don Horner. When I came here on my ministerial visit, I stayed with Don and Karen. And I'll tell you, I remember flying back, going to Georgia and thinking, if Don and Karen are leaders of this congregation, with their type of heart, I can serve there. So I went to Don and Karen's house and I told them what happened, the choice that was made beyond my control, and um, I want to resign. And Don said, well, I can tell you, I don't want you to do that. He said, and I, I, don't, I can't speak for the other elders, but I'm pretty sure what they're going to say. Let's get together and let's talk about this. So we had a meeting with the elders. And I told them what had happened. I told them my desire to resign. And without blinking, these men got up and they walked over to me. And I still can picture a couple of them who were on their knee. They laid their hands on me, and they prayed over me from the depth of their heart. And then when we got done, they said, well, Brian, we don't want you to resign. You are not going to resign. We believe God called you here. We believe you have a place here, and we are going to walk with you through this valley of darkness. Elders of this church, I need you to know something. That was the pivotal moment in my 25-year ministry career. I was done. Me. I mean, nobody else made a thought that I thought that I'm done. I'm quitting. 
I got nothing to say. I'm a loser. I'm done. But what you did for me, elders of this church, in those few minutes and the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come set me on this course of healing and helped me stay true to my call as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then that's where you as the entire congregation kind of picked up my healing ball, if you will. Again, I thought I'm done. Nobody wants to hear me. I don't want to hear myself. I was depressed. I felt like I was scum on the bottom of a shoe. I hated myself. I just knew I was the biggest loser on the planet. And I believed that with all my heart. Who'd want to hear me? Well, the, the elders came at one point and they said, we would like you to preach on Sunday morning. I didn't really want to. Again, didn't think I needed to, but okay, I'll do it. So I got up in this pulpit and shared the gospel. And you in this congregation <laughs> were so kind and so affirming and said, we appreciate what you have to say. We hope you get a chance to do it again. And then Brian Elliott came to me pretty quickly and said, I want you to teach a Bible class on Wednesday night. I don't really need to be doing that. But Brian was insistent, and Brian can be insistent when he needs to. <laughs> and I did. And it's so interesting, just this last Wednesday night in the very room that I did this, Steve Thompson came to me and he said, I remember a few years ago when you taught a class on Nehemiah in this room. That was the very first one I had a chance to, to work through the scriptures with you with. And again, you were so kind and so affirming and said, God spoke to me through this study. I connected with that. Man, we think that you still need to be doing this. And I'm telling you guys, at that point, I didn't believe in myself. And then something amazing started to happen. I got a call from the Cristobal Church of Christ, and they said, our minister's gone every once in a while. These weren't elicited uh, requests. They just called me. I said, would you come preach for us? I've been doing that for two and a half years. And then Southgate Church of Christ called me and said, we'd love to come over here. You, over here. Have you preach for us? Have you teach um, Wednesday night class or something like that? And then West Angelo called. And then a church in Indiana called and started flying me back and forth to go to Indiana to speak. Then a church in Louisiana called. Then Brock called. And then finally, nothing I asked for or looked for, but by God's providence, this church in Fernandina Beach called me and said they would like me to serve as their, their pulpit minister. But Johnson Street Church of Christ, I need you to hear this and know this. You were the beginning. You were the first one that said, you still have a voice. You still can do this. God still has a call in your life. And because you believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, now I get a chance to go do my absolute favorite thing on the planet. Every morning, Sunday morning, just get up and dig into the word and share the truth and love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, there's Rush Street Ministries. You know, when I've shared a few, with a few people on a personal level, the level of despair I was in in 2016 and 17, a few of them said, well, you know, I, I really couldn't tell that. And there's a reason why. When I got to go up every morning and go into Rush Street Ministries, and serve and work with some of the most amazing people you will ever serve and work with, 
who love Jesus, who love on people. These folks come in with some of the most dire stories. Some of them take advantage a little bit, but they're responded to with such kindness and grace and love and just Jesus. When I could do that, I was okay. Now, of course, when I went home in the evening to my little tiny apartment by myself was when the despair and misery came in. But at Rush Street, that was my light. How many people get to get up every single day and can't wait to go work? I have done that for almost three and a half years. It is one of the most wonderful places on the planet. I'm going to share with you something that I haven't shared with a lot of people. When I was talking to the leader, uh, I guess you call it the committee, trying to find a director for Rush Street, I had another offer on the table at a church here in Texas, and it was a pretty nice offer. But by God's grace and God's provision and God's blessing, he put me right here in San Angelo, Texas. And I am here to tell you, friends, there is not one place on the planet he could have put me better for me than right here. Rush Street Ministries is a fun, Holy Spirit-infused, healing, wonderful place. It was perfect for me. Thank you, Johnson Street Church of Christ, for starting this ministry, for supporting this ministry, for sustaining this ministry, and letting me come. And every single day, come to a place that brought me life. One of my dearest friends on earth is Kevin Huddleston. And Kevin told me something when I first came to Johnson Street. Again, he was my confidant in the darkest times. And Kevin said that DNA is in the grace of Johnson Street Church of Christ. It's kind of who you are. But then the other thing Kevin told me was, in many ways, Johnson Street Church of Christ is a hospital for broken and hurting ministers. Well, I got to tell you, for me, you were more of a triage unit. <laughs> you know, if I could sum up what I want to say to you, and I appreciate Scott giving me this opportunity. I said, I need, people have been so kind to say, oh, Brian, you've done well, blah, blah, blah. You've helped Rush Street out. I need you to know what you did for me. It goes way beyond going to church together. If I could really say what I wanted to say to you, it would be this. Jesus Christ saved my soul. But you guys saved my heart. Again, I was done. Me, personally. What you did was you grabbed me <laughs> and you found me on the side of the road of life in my brokenness and misery. And, and I'm telling you, I'm not, there's no hyperbole. Death would have been a welcomed friend to me at that point. You bandaged and put oil on my wounds and wine. You put me on your donkey. <laughs> You welcomed me into this family. And you brought me back to life. Well, probably what I want to thank you for the most is you need to realize what you did for me did not just help me. 
You did it for Dylan as well. My healing has been crucial to Dylan's healing. And he is on fire for God. <laughs> like I have never seen him in his 22 years of life. And that is my greatest joy on the planet, to see my son on fire for Jesus. I guess as I close, the best way I could say what I want to say to you, to express my healed heart, I guess, is in the words of a powerful song. Music is a, you who know me well know music is a big deal to me. And Ray Bolts, years and years ago, wrote a song about a reunion in heaven. And it was titled, Thank You. And this is kind of what I finally want to say to you. The chorus says, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad that you gave. But those of you who know me know me also to say this. The last thing I want to say to you from this pulpit is the most important thing. And that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. <laughs> he is the only reason we're here. He's the only reason the church exists. He's the only way to make it into eternity. But I want you to know, friends, coming to Christ is not just some pie in the sky, get baptized now and you're going to be in heaven someday. It is right now. Eternity is right now. And if you come to Jesus and trust in Jesus and make him king of your life, he's not going to make sure everything's okay all the time. Rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. But no matter what happens, when you're committed to God, you're committed to the body of Christ, and you're connected like this, he will get you through anything. Through his power, through the Holy Spirit, and through the body of believers. So I want to invite you today to please do not leave this place unless you know Jesus. But you have to do something. He gives the life and the hope and the sacrifice, but you have to choose to repent. You have to choose to say, I am no longer going to be Lord of my life. I am no longer going to be the captain of my own ship. I am going to let him run my life. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to be baptized into him for the remission of my sins. I'm going to be indwelled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then with all my brothers and sisters, we are just going to march on, making a difference here in this world for the kingdom of God. That is eternal life. And that's what you're invited to today. I love what Ananias told Paul when he got into talking to him. He simply said this, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins. I love you. I'll never forget you. But remember, it's all about Jesus. If you have not made him king of your life, if you've never made him Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of life. Make that great decision now while we stand and sing.